my blood, you have no life in you, something of the sort. The um, We had a few f- families over Sunday afternoon for lunch, and we discussed uh, just a little bit. Um, it was a little hard for us to catch it, maybe the burden of his message through the interpreter, needing it, needing to have it interpreted for us. You lose some there. But uh, I don't know what, uh, how many of you really gave it much thought that uh, the message that he tried to convey to us was a message of quite some depth. That's the point that I uh, wanted to uh, at least give us to consider a little here again. It was not a shallow message. It was not a uh, believe in Jesus message. It was actually a message with depth. And uh, Brother, uh, Brother Rick Hess made the comment that God has put a burden on his heart that um, Jesus is coming again. And many Christians aren't prepared, aren't, uh, aren't ready. And so that's his burden, and that uh, was the burden that came out in his message about uh, the fact of, uh, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And, uh, you know, I guess we, he did give, I don't remember the exact uh, application he made to that, but uh, it is something that we do well to consider what does that exactly mean. What does that mean to me? What does that mean in my life? How does that affect me? So, just thought I'd um, again refresh our hearts just a little bit on his burden there last week. And uh, maybe we could ask ourselves, was, did we eat and drink our Lord Jesus this week? Were we drawing from his eternal life? Or were we feeding on something other? There's a lot out there to feed on. And uh, there will always be a lot out there to feed on. But there is only one source of life, and that is Jesus. All right, this morning you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Our text today is uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 5 to verse 9. Ephesians 6, verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. 
And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. There's a couple of parallel passages, or at least one, that I would like to read, and that's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, or verse 22 to 24. And, of course, the writer is the same writer, and uh, the different uh, parts of these scriptures are somewhat parallel. Verse uh, 22 of Colossians 3, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. And also in Titus, Paul gives uh, a couple of words to Titus regarding the same subject. Titus chapter 2 verse 9. He says, Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Now this this scripture is, uh, they use the term servant and master, and I... uh, I am. I, I did not do a lot of study on what actually took place back there, but I have the impression, at least, that it was more of a servant-master relationship than what we know today as an employee-employer relationship. It was more of a servant-master type of situation, is my understanding, limited understanding. However. Uh, I think we would agree that uh, the end goal was very similar of what we have today in an employee-employer relationship. Usually, uh, in a servant-master relationship, uh, the servant was working for the master. And that's what we have today in, a, in a, uh, uh, an employee-employer relationship. The... Uh, the freedoms that we enjoy today are probably quite a bit uh, in that in that same relationship are quite broader, I believe, probably than what the uh, servant master uh, were experiencing. And I'm, like I said, I'm not up on that kind of history. Uh, was it more like slavery as we used to know it, or as it used to be? I'm not sure, but. Uh, but whatever the case, uh, I think we can say that in our experience today, we have a lot more freedom. And if that is the case, then uh, these points that are mentioned here should be a whole lot easier for us to fulfill than they were for them. Uh, so, we're going to uh, discuss this uh, subject today on the basis of uh, an employer-employee relationship because that is the context that we live in. 
like I said, there is probably a, there's probably a lot of similarities, but there's probably a lot of differences as well as to what their experience was back then. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, in our country, employer-employee relationships are regulated fairly highly. It's not that way in all parts of the world, and there are cases and situations where uh, there's child labor taking place, and there's uh, extremely low wages um, being offered because it's not regulated, and nobody oversees it, and can people, you know, companies, businesses take advantage of of, uh, of uh, people, and those those things used to happen in our country as well, and probably do still some. Uh, you always have those things going on. You always have greedy hearts of men. But as largely, it's been regulated fairly heavily over the years to prevent those kind of uh, abuses. So we, uh, we are, uh, we're in a, you know, we have many, we have many blessings, put it that way. Uh, so as we, uh, for, you know, like I said, for a present-day comparative, we would uh, probably look at the relationship of, a, of an employee-employer. As we think about that just for a moment, <clears throat> you know, a servant, in, uh, in, as it's given here in the uh, Scriptures, was not his own. Uh, like it says there in verse 8, uh, uh, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. You know, that gives us, uh, whether he be bond or free, whether he is bound to a master or whether he's free, doesn't make a difference, you know, as far as the, the uh, if he's serving the Lord, doesn't matter. It's neither here nor there. Uh, you can serve the Lord just as well bound as free. And so, I think that word bound had a, it meant more than it means to be an employer, employee to an employer. However, think about it. Those of you who hold a job and, ha- and put in uh, five and maybe even some six uh, full working days in a week, think about it. How much of your time is your own? You're bound to an employer. Those hours, he has purchased you. And he has purchased your time. And he has purchased your abilities. And if it's uh, eight hours a day or nine hours a day or ten hours a day for five or six days a week, you can do the math and you can figure out that slot of time, you are a servant. You are bound. If you don't perform, you might get fired. See? You're bound to perform, to do the duties that are expected of you. Uh, so, maybe we're not as far away from, uh, from being uh, masters and slaves as uh, servants as we thought. Huh? But just, you know, think about it. It's true. You can't get up in, uh, in the morning and decide, okay, today I don't feel like going to work. I think I'm going to stay home, wash my car and polish it, and mow the yard and edge the flower beds and put some mulch down. You can't do that. And then the next day, well, you still don't feel like going to work. Well, today let's, let's go to the park and enjoy, go to the Washington Zoo. You know, 
sooner or later, it's going to catch up. Your employer is going to say, okay, where were you? That time between whatever to whatever was time that I bought. You are bound to serve me. You are bound to serve my company. Where were you? See. So, a present day comparative. <clears throat> so we want to look at these scriptures a little bit and just talk about, uh, uh, yeah, some exhortations. And I've titled it, uh, A Message to the Working Man. A Message to the Working Man. <clears throat> first of all, I'd like to say that uh, your work First point, or one of the points I'd like to consider here for a bit, is the fact that your work is part of your spiritual life. Just like he says there in Titus, not purloining, we'll look at that phrase later, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Now, did you ever stop and consider that as you, when you're out there in the job and you're swinging that hammer or you're digging with that shovel or whatever you're doing, did you ever stop? Did it ever feel so spiritual that you were actually adorning the doctrine of a God our Savior as you sweat it with that old shovel? I don't feel real spiritual, does it? But you know what? The Scripture actually puts work in that context. In serving. And like I said, it it was probably even a, a tighter servanthood that they they had Versus what we have today. And so uh, we can count our blessings, I think, in the, in the sense that uh, we have freedoms that they probably didn't have in their context back there. But we, I know it's hard to think about it that way. I, I, I agree. Uh, Colossians 3.23, uh, he says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And, of course, there in Ephesians 6, he gives the same idea. Uh, not with eye service as as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. We'll, we'll try to uh, talk more about some of those things as we go. But first of all, just to, to consider the fact that, you know, our work is, our spiritual life doesn't stop when we walk out the door to go to the job and start when we come back home again. It goes all day long. Our work is a part of our spiritual experience. It's a part of our spiritual life. Uh, our work is not a necessary evil to get behind us so that I can go serve the Lord. It's not. It's not at all. Uh, we are exhorted to see our work as a means of serving the Lord. And as a means of where our spiritual uh, uh, faith can can actually be expressed by how we serve and how well we serve. And again, not... Uh, well, we'll talk about that that point later. But think about it. If, uh, if you were to build a house, you know, let's say you're a builder, and, uh, you know, you're building not to please men, but to please God. Now, let's say, let's just try to put that in context. If, let's say we were actually building a house for God, for the Lord. Okay? Uh, instead of these uh, people moving into it, or instead of this uh, 
boss uh, examining our work when we're done, the Lord's going to examine it. Maybe the Lord's going to move into it. As to the Lord is, Scripture says. So, if we put it in that context, would we do it any different? Or if the Lord came at the end of the day to see how much we got done today, would we, would, you know, Monday the boss came and looked, and then Tuesday the Lord came and looked, see how much we got done. Would we get more done on Tuesday than on Monday? Or uh, maybe we're, uh, maybe we're a groundskeeper and we mow the yards for people. Would we do a better job if we were mowing it for the Lord? Think about it. Or milking cows or driving trucks. You know, you can put all your uh, occupations in that, in that spot. Would we do it any different than what we're doing it? If the Lord, in fact, were the one who would examine our work at the end of the day. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, he says in Ephesians. Doing service as to the Lord. <clears throat> you know, our time, like I said already, our time on the job is part of our spiritual experience. It's part of our walk. And how we, well, we do and don't do is a reflection on our faith, perhaps, our, uh, our faithfulness, maybe. <clears throat> you know, if we, uh, if we look at these scriptures and take them at face value regarding uh, doing it as unto the Lord... If, if that is the case, then we have every reason to have a bright outlook regarding our work, don't we? We have every reason to go to work in the morning with a bright outlook. A positive, uh, a cheerful uh, disposition to our day. Because we're in the Lord's work. Well, that's a new thought. How about you tell your boss tomorrow, hey, I'm, I'm here on the Lord's work today. Whose house are we going to shingle for the Lord? Type of thing. <clears throat> well, it's, uh, it's good for us to stop and think about that. Uh, it's easy for us to kind of separate the mundane and the... And the uh, uh, repetitious of, of uh, work life and kind of put it in a slot all of its own and, and uh, it's something we got to get done and boy we're glad when it's done and then we can think about things that really matter but you know we're actually missing it a little bit if we have that concept and I'll admit I probably have that concept too often we're actually missing uh, God's heart when we have that concept but if we can go to work in the morning seeing it as an opportunity. And uh, this is and can be the Lord's work in my life and my experience today. 
All right, several points to consider regarding, as, as this scripture says in, uh, in Titus there about adorning the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. There are several things we'd like to consider that are important in, for, in order for that to happen, that uh, as we fulfill our responsibilities that we actually do adorn the doctrine of God. And Titus uses the word not purloining there. And that's one of the things to consider. Uh, this Greek word, purloining, is the same. It's only used twice in the New Testament uh, Bible. And it's used in the situation with Ananias and Sapphira where they kept back part of the price. And that's what it means. Uh, not keeping back some for yourself, but uh, being honest and, and uh, truthful. And if you stop and think about it, I don't know what your situation is. I'm, I know there's different levels of uh, of responsibility that people carry. But stop and think about Joseph in the Old Testament there when he was uh, at Potiphar's house. And he was given, he was given full responsibility for, responsibility for Potiphar's house. He was entrusted with the whole thing. And uh, he could have easily kept back. He could have easily purloined, as this word is used in the New Testament. He could have easily embezzled things for himself. And the and Potiphar would have never missed it. You know, I don't know what you know what it all covered, but let's just say, for example, they were they were uh, let's say Potiphar uh, had some agricultural interests, and they had uh, uh, they took off a crop, and it wouldn't have been hard to keep. Uh, stuff a few bags in a corner somewhere for yourself and when Potiphar's away sell them and, and pocket the cash and he'd have never known it didn't yield that much right uh, you know you, you, just all sorts of directions you can go with your thinking but uh, Joseph didn't do that but then we have an example of uh, Jacob and that is a little more questionable isn't it when he uh, took uh, care of uh, Laban's uh, sheep and things it <laughs> I know the Lord was with Jacob, and uh, but uh, the Lord also uh, uh, had a pretty good dealing with Jacob on his way out of out of there. Uh, but it does seem like Jacob was a bit of a different character than Joseph. He uh, he had his ways of trying to make the the pendulum swing his direction, and uh, that's what the what the Bible is talking about: not purloining, not trying to somehow uh, set things up so that uh, we get an uh, you know an added benefit or uh, or a uh, uh, somehow get something unjustly or somehow you know wiggle some of the the gain or, or whatever into our own pockets <clears throat> and so like I said there's uh, I'm guessing sitting in this room we different ones of us uh, different ones of you fill different levels of responsibility and are entrusted with different levels of uh, of uh, goods as such. And, uh, yeah, not uh, not purloining. But showing all good fidelity. Being a, uh, and, and fidelity simply means faithfulness. Thought of the proverb, Proverbs 25, verse 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint, you know. We don't want to be known as an unfaithful man. We want to be faithful. We want to be dependable. We want to be someone an employer can trust. Someone he can count on. Someone that he can uh, uh, 
you know, give responsibility to, and he knows it'll, uh, it'll, uh, you know, he won't be taken advantage of. Someone that can be given some rope, and uh, he knows it'll, it'll, uh, it'll work out. It'll, you won't uh, take advantage of him. <clears throat> I suppose there's lots of ways that um, those that those things can happen. Probably one of the things that I've thought about in. Uh, and uh, that can maybe be the most tempting in our situation today is simply uh, goofing off on the job when we're on the clock. And uh, rather than giving it our best, you know, frittling away time or bosses in here, so we all just kind of sit under the shade tree a while and and uh, take an extra break or two and that kind of thing. Uh, I trust, I have confidence that's not happening, but uh, hey, do we quicken our pace when the boss walks on the scene? I realize it's some flexibility, but uh, shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be happening all the time that uh, when the boss walks on the scene, all of a sudden we're moving faster, we're doing things faster when he leaves, and we, all right, now we slow down again, you know. <laughs> Not purloining. But rather striving to develop our character that our boss can be confident that we will have his best interest in mind. <clears throat> Scripture also talks about not with eye service. wonder why Paul uses that term. He uses it twice. The only place that term is used in the Scriptures. And, of course, Colossians and Ephesians basically has it worded the same. Not with eye service as men pleasers. And here again, it kind of brings us back to this whole point of who are we serving? Are we serving men or are we serving God? Um, Eye service is service that is performed, uh, it can have several different meanings here, but it's basically, uh, perform, performance that is, 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 uh, only a result of being watched. You know, a boss is watching, so we gotta keep, uh, keep it moving. Uh, or it can be, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a fairly, uh, sight labor. That need that needs watching. Uh, the master's eye usually stimulates greater diligence, where on the other hand, his absence uh, renders sluggishness. That's the one concept that it gives us. Uh, and then another concept is only serving to please men or for man's approval. Maybe we would uh, kind of get the idea there that uh, one is serving just for approval, doing a good job just for approval, maybe with hopes of being promoted. Maybe just uh, try to, you know, climb the, oh, what is it, the the ladder, I forget the word for it, but uh, just for that purpose. The problem with that is we are only seeking man's approval and we're not seeing the fact that we are actually serving God. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. See the uh, the comparison there. That's what the scripture gives us. 
not as eyes, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. So it, it actually, it, it, to only have our, uh, our boss's, uh, approval in focus is actually falling short of the goal. It's falling short of the scriptural goal, but to rather have God's approval before our eyes and God's uh, smile of blessing on what we do. <clears throat> and I realize that uh, we do want our boss's approval. We want to do things the way he wants it done. We want him to be happy with what we do when we're done. Uh, I don't think it's denying that, but it takes us further than that and that uh, we don't want to just be doing it for that purpose. Scripture is actually fairly strong on this whole subject. It's it kind of almost, I don't know how you feel, but it kind of almost surprises you when you go dig into it. It kind of like, is work really that serious? Is is uh, Can work really have that much spiritual emphasis? But it's here. It's here. <clears throat> like Colossians 3.22 And what? Yeah, not with not with uh, eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Now think about that in light of your work, not doing your job just to please your boss or as a as a man pleaser, not to, but in singleness of heart, fearing God, working and doing a good job and being faithful and being dependable and. Because you fear God, or in the fear of God, rather than just to please a man. <clears throat> Puts a much higher calling on it. With good will, Ephesians 6, 7, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Is there, as we think about all that, is there anything that we as a Christian, as Christians, participate in that... We cannot do as unto the Lord. Is there anything in our lives, you know, that uh, we participate in that we cannot do as unto the Lord? If we, if there is, if our work is to be done as unto the Lord, uh, I guess then we go on down, keep on examining things. So if our, uh, if our sports, if work is done under the Lord, then maybe our act, uh, sports ought to be done under the Lord too. And uh, if our uh, sports are done under the Lord, maybe our vacations ought to be done under the Lord. You know, just stimulating our thinking a little bit. Is there anything that we do that we don't do unto the Lord or shouldn't be doing unto the Lord? And if that is the case, then... Maybe that is a good place to start examining what we do do and asking ourselves, if I can't do it as unto the Lord, then maybe I shouldn't be doing it. Is that a good uh, good test? If I can't do it as unto the Lord, then maybe I shouldn't be doing it. <clears throat> I think it's a good thing to consider. So, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of God doing the will of, as the servants of God doing the will of God from the heart. 
like us to also notice the attitude that is called for. This uh, comes out most uh, here in Ephesians. It says, uh, servants, in verse 5, servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. You ever walk into your workplace (laughs) shaking, fear and trembling? You know, I'm not sure what they're actually asking for there, but think about it. We're to fear God uh, above all else. Fearing God is a big subject in the Bible. The other week we uh, looked at a scripture in the, the Old Testament that talked about actually fearing our mother and our father. And this scripture talks about fearing our master. And I'm going to use the term employer. What is a common thread that goes through all three of those? That common thread is authority. God is supreme in authority. We know that. We are to fear him because he's supreme in authority. Parents are in a place of authority, and children are exhorted to fear their parents, to have a sober respect for their parents, because they are in a place of authority. In this case, a master was in a place of authority, and in, in, in our situation, an employer is, is in a place of authority, and it calls for respect. Deep respect, obviously. Fear and trembling. That's that's a. Uh, I, I I'll simply yeah. I'll simply say it calls for a very deep respect. Like we said earlier, when you are hired, that slot of time is owned by your employer, and you should fear to disobey him. You should fear. To go against him. You should fear to, uh, uh, you know, come way short of his goals for you. You should fear that. <clears throat> there should be a high regard and a high respect for your employer. Now, like uh, Titus, it's stated in Titus, not answering again, uh, which uh, we could could basically put in our own words, not talking back, not answering again. You know, I think, yeah, the definition that is given is to dispute, to refuse, answer again, contradict, deny, gainsay, speak against. So, not uh, answering again. I think in most cases, there is a place to suggest ideas, you know, to give input. And if you have an idea about a way to do a job and, and you think you have a good idea, I think most places there is room to give that, present that idea. But if your idea is grounded and, and, and the boss says we're doing it this way, then it's time to shut your mouth. Get to work and not argue. Even if it turns out that he was, you were right and your way would have been better. 
That's what it's saying, not answering again. The general attitude is one that calls for respect. He has purchased your time. Give him your best. And give it as though you were giving it to the Lord. That's the exhortation that we have. An, An attitude of respect. Like us to also notice that there is an eternal reward for faithful service. Ephesians 6, verse 7 and 8. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And Colossians states that as well. Verse 23 and 24, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. So there's an eternal reward for faithful service. And of course, it it again brings us back to the point of uh, all of life is about serving the Lord. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's not about going to work and putting in our time and then going back home and serving the Lord. All of life is about serving the Lord. Um, And faithfulness in our various responsibilities is faithfulness to the Lord. You know, to give our employer our best is to give our Lord our best. Uh, To... to, uh, to perform well for our employer is a reflection on our our uh, our Lord and and uh, our faith and our uh, uh, faithfulness. <clears throat> and so, faithfulness in the workplace, as uh, Titus says it, adorns the doctrine of God. Faithfulness, faithfulness in the workplace is a spiritual exercise. And has eternal rewards. So your rewards go beyond your paycheck. Is that right? According to scripture. So maybe. uh, Maybe you'll find it a little easier. To go to work tomorrow morning. Well. The scripture. Doesn't just stop with the employer. It also has a few words for the employer. Or with the employee, but it has a few words for the employer. In Ephesians here it says, And ye masters do the same things unto them for bearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of person with him. Do the same things. And I think that is simply referring back to what was said to the employee or the servant and asking for the same kind of heart and response. Do the same things. Treat them with that same level of respect. Treat your employee. Treat that servant with the same level of respect that the servant was asked to treat the uh, master with. Treat them with the same level of respect. Why would that be? Well, stop and think about it. They are an extension of you. If you wouldn't have them, you wouldn't get nearly as much done as you're getting done. 
They are an extension of you. And uh, without them, depending on what your situation is, you would be in trouble. So treat them like you would treat the Lord if He were working for you. See, they're supposed to work for you like they were working for the Lord, so you ought to treat them like you would treat the Lord if the Lord were working for you. See, in the same manner. Uh, ye masters do the same things unto them, unto the employee. <clears throat> Treat them with high respect. Treat them as, and this is a Christian context, I realize that. Treat them as you would treat the Lord. Treat them as you would. Uh, they are the Lord's children. They are His His body. They're part of his kingdom. But then he goes on and he gives one specific instruction. Forbear threatening. I wonder why he said that. Forbear threatening. You know, have we ever been tempted to threat? You ever threaten your children? Ever threaten your employees? If you don't do that, this will happen. Forbear threatening. It's probably a temptation that that masters face. Probably a temptation that employees employers face. And I realize there is a place to communicate and to actually, you know. Uh, Communicate expectation, and that if expectation isn't met, then, uh, you know, there's a problem, there's consequences, and all those kind of things. I, I don't think that is what it's speaking of. I think it's probably more the context of uh, trying to force more out of a person than what they can actually perform, you know. And, you know, thinking of a servant-master relationship and the way slaves were often driven, that is actually, uh, probably was a problem. And I don't know how much is a problem in our world, but it's something to think about. Not uh, not uh, using threatening as a means to, to try to push people beyond their limits and beyond their capacities and beyond their uh, uh, abilities. James had a warning for employers as well in James 5 verse 4 Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields which is of you kept back by fraud crieth and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth and that's a a warning concerning holding back fair wages and uh and being greedy, obviously, and not giving people their rightful dues, uh, and how that uh, those the cries of those that uh, were defrauded come up to the Lord, and the Lord hears them. So we're uh, warned to uh, give those who work for us their rightful dues, their lawful dues, and. And a fair wage and, and all those kind of things. <clears throat> and like I said, our government regulates those kind of things a lot. 
and uh, the possibilities to uh, abuse are limited a bit in some of those things. And as we know, the reason the government regulates them is because there were abuses in the past and probably still continue to be in various ways. Not Not holding back their fair earnings, not trying to get as much for as little as we can, you know, not sure. I know it happens a lot in our country where uh, uh, migrant workers are hired because you can hire them cheap. And that you've got to be careful. It becomes an, actually becomes this, where people are actually hired, uh, are paid much less than what would be a fair wage for what they perform. But because they are come from a country where the uh, their, they, their, their earnings would be much less there, we justify it and say, okay, uh, they would only get so much there, so here I'm giving them more, but I'm not still not giving them near what the fair wage for their, labor, for their uh, performance would be actually expected here. So we have to watch those things. Be careful that our hearts aren't just uh, latching on to a greedy opportunity for cheap labor and uh, fill our own pockets in the process. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. I guess, again, bringing us back in conclusion to the whole thing of, uh, as it says in Colossians uh, 3, whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. If we have that in focus, whether we're an employee or an employer, Realizing that what we do is being done as unto the Lord, uh, that will uh, that'll bring an accountability into our hearts, won't it? And uh, we can do it uh, heartily, as this scripture says, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So as you go, and as you uh, step into the responsibilities this coming week, think about it a little differently. Think about doing it as to the Lord. And, uh, you know, we just talked a little bit about our working responsibilities. I think we could, uh, you know, we could think about, uh, uh, I think about the ladies here particularly, all the the home care and child care and, and uh, that they do. If uh, going out and working for a, a, a for a, an employer and shingling somebody's house or mowing someone's yard or digging someone's ditch, it can be done as to the Lord. Then I think uh, any of the uh, mundane uh, day-to-day duties that you face can be done as to the Lord as well. And uh, we can be encouraged that if we are faithful, we have a reward. The Lord is uh, the Lord is faithful to uh, to uh, remember our service and to reward us. And uh, I realize we don't do it in light of reward. We do it because we love our responsibilities. We love our callings. But be encouraged; it's not without reward. Shall we bow our heads for a moment? Our Father, we come to the close here again today of this message, and just ask again, Father, that. 
these few thoughts could be a blessing and could meet our needs where we find ourselves in life's journey. And Father, again, that uh, in all aspects our lives could reflect Christ, his grace, and his purpose. And that uh, through our faithfulness in the uh, day-to-day responsibilities that uh, we would adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Father, we don't fully understand all those things as such, but we accept it because it's in your word. And we ask, Father, to, uh, to grant us that perspective and that understanding that every moment of time we would have that somewhat unconscious concept that we're serving the Lord. Lord, that it would just kind of be there. And uh, as we go through life, we would do it as unto the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that encouragement. Thank you for uh, putting that kind of purpose into our day-to-day responsibilities. And grant us, Father, faithfulness that you would be honored and glorified through it all, we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.